Well, my name is Gary Albright, and I'm the preaching minister here at Shiloh Road. And I want to say thank you for stopping in and checking out one of our sermons. It's my hope that this message will inspire you and help you to follow Jesus more closely during such a difficult time in our country's history. Wherever you find yourself, whatever you're going through, my hope is this message and these words will be a blessing to your life. Well, good morning and happy Easter. Wow, what a start to our morning. Um, it has been crazy and sorry we had to push things back a little bit, but with the weather, um, we needed people to be safe getting here to church and needed our technology to be safe and secure as well. And so um, thanks for hanging in with us a little bit. If you're watching this later in the day, um, this doesn't affect you at all. You get to worship with us and be a part of what we're doing here. And so I'm so glad you're joining us as we celebrate Easter. Now, it looks a little different than it typically does. This is an empty room, but Easter's never been about an, a full room. It's always been about the empty tomb. And so we are celebrating today an empty tomb and a risen Savior. Um, I want to invite you, if you are on Facebook or Vimeo or Church Online, comment. Let us know you're there. Go on to Facebook and share your picture. We would love to see your family worshiping and with us. Um, we're, we're so glad that you're here. Um, we want you to interact with us. Let us know how things are going in your life right now. I know things are, are difficult. If you're on um, shilohroad.online.church, um, there's a place for live prayer, and someone would be happy to pray for you. Whatever it is you're going through, whatever you need right now, we would love to help you in any way that we can. So today we begin this new series, and the name of the series is called Wonder Worker, because I thought it'd be a really interesting thing to look right now at the miracles of Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but there are times right now where I want to see a miracle. Because our world has flipped upside down and things are so crazy right now. I want Jesus to show up and do something supernatural that just transforms and changes our world. But the perspective I want to look at these stories of is going to be different. Because typically when we talk about these miracles of Jesus, it's just simply the miracles that Jesus performs, and we know how it ends, and we look, and we celebrate Jesus' power. But in this series, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to flip the perspective, and not take our perspective 2,000 years later from the other side of the story, but I want to go back to the middle of the story, and I want to talk about what it would have been like for Jesus to step into their life speak truth into their life and meet their needs. Because at the time when Jesus is speaking, they needed something so bad and so powerful. And Jesus speaks hope into their life. This became really clear, um, my need for control, um, several years ago. We were on this backpacking trip, um, and we were in Colorado. There was a group of five of us total. And our, I guess, last day at our high camp, we decided we were going to hike up just a little above the tree line. And right above the tree line, we were going to get our group picture above this rock facing. And so a couple of us got ready, and we got the camera set, and we stood back, and we took the picture. And when we stepped back and we looked at the picture on our phones, we saw that this rock cropping was, was huge and that we could actually climb to the top of it. 
And so one of the younger guys in the group and myself, we decided we were going to climb to the top and take our picture there. And a few of the older guys said, no, no, this is our, our rest day. We're not going to do any hiking or climbing. And we said, it's really easy. It's just right up here. So me and the younger guy, we set up to the, the top. And when we got there, we were ready to take our picture, and we realized that the top we were on wasn't actually the top. There was still another level we could go up. And so we started climbing, and we get to the next layer, and we realized that that wasn't the top either. There was still another layer that we could go, and so we started climbing again. By the time we finally reached the top, I think we had come to six or seven false summits where we thought we were at the top, but then once we got to the top, we realized there was more to go. There, There was more to climb. And so we finally get there, and it's been a couple of hours of climbing, and we had nothing with us. We had no food. We had no water. We got a little bit of water from a small melting of of snow, um, but that was about it for two hours. And we're out in the sun, and there's no tree cover. And we get to the top, and we're tired, and we realize that the only way back down that was safe was actually around the rim of the small canyon and back into our high camp the way we originally came. We couldn't go back down the same way. And so it was going to be um, about double the distance around this rim and back down into the canyon. And I remember getting to the top and having this, this really profound thought. If I had known when I started this journey what all it would entail, I'm not so sure I would have gone. But now all these years later, looking back on that moment, I'm so glad I did. I learned a lot that day. I learned a lot about myself and about my friend. I learned a lot about being prepared and and not biting off more than you can chew. It, It did a lot of things to form and shape who I am. I'm so glad I did go on that journey that day. But like I said, If I had known, as I was looking back, if I could have just jumped to the top and looked down and said, you know what, I'm not so sure I want to do this. I don't know that I would have gone. I'm guessing there are some times like that in your life where you look back at the journey and think, if I had known now what I should have known or could have known then, I'm not so sure I would have done it. I'm not so sure I would have entered into that journey. What I learned that day was I like control. I like to be in control. And what that day did was showed me just how little control I really do have. Like this morning, we learn how much control we really do have. I'll, I'll be honest, when it comes to services, I'm kind of a control freak. I like things to run a certain way and start on time and everything to be smoothly. And this morning, the storm rolls in and it takes all the control out of my, my, my hands. And I can't do anything about it. And it drives me crazy. The, the people in here, the singers, the booth people are probably laughing right now because I was like this bundle of nervous energy walking around and trying to get my hands on and control what I could. Because I hate when it seems like control is gone. I can't imagine what it would have been like for these ladies, Mary, 
Magdalene and the other Mary. What would it have been like to be those disciples who've spent the last three years of their life listening to the teachings of Jesus and talking about how he was going to come and he was going to bring hope and he was going to be bring restoration and renewal and everything was going to be about his kingdom coming to earth on heaven and he kept talking about it but they never really grasped it they never really fully got what Jesus was saying and they gave up everything because they believed there was something special about this rabbi from Nazareth they believed there was something different about him from everyone else and so they followed him at times I think they even truly believed he was God's son and the pieces didn't make sense to them and how everything was fitting together didn't quite fit in their minds but nevertheless they gave up everything to follow him and I can't imagine what it would have been like to stand there on the hillside is they watched Jesus, who they believed to be Messiah, crucified. And how they watched a spear go into his side. And they watched as he was taken down off of the cross by Joseph and Nicodemus and wrapped in this burial cloth and placed in a tomb. And this tomb sealed with this massive heavy stone. I can't imagine how crushing it would have been for them as they're sitting there thinking all is lost I mean can you imagine waking up the next morning and thinking was was this just a bad dream what what what, what do we do now we gave up the last three years to follow Jesus and now it seems like it was all for nothing and I wonder if that question creeps into their mind if I had known what this journey was going to look like, would I have even started? I wonder if there was this sense that all control is gone, and the sense that I had that I could make things go a certain way, or that Jesus was going to make things work a certain way, was now gone. And maybe for you right now, this time in our country feels a bit like that. It's disorienting. And the things we thought we could control, we realize we really can't. We don't have the, the strength and the power we once thought we did. And, and it's these moments that really call us back and remind us that we don't have that much control. And they remind us that we don't have the strength that we think we do. I wonder for those first disciples and for the Marys if there was this sense of all now is lost. Was this for nothing? And if I had known when I started what this was going to look like, would I have even gone? They've lost all sense of control. They've lost all sense of hope because hope was placed in a tomb and the tomb was sealed and truly that is the climax of Matthew's gospel 
It, it seems to be the point that it's been building to and building to and building to, and now hope is gone. And they're searching and they're wondering and they're questioning, God, where are you, God? What are you doing? God, why are you not showing up? And it's into that world, that world of hope and despair, that some really powerful words are spoken. It says this, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he has said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. And these words, if they are true, if what Matthew writes, that the tomb is empty, is true, then it changes everything. You see, in our last series, The Wilderness and Wondering, we talked how important it is that, that a moment can make, how important a moment in your life can be. And we said that one moment has the power to transform every moment that will follow. But if these words are true, that the tomb where Jesus laid is now empty, if those words are true, then this truly is the one moment that has the power to transform every moment. And it is the moment that confronts every single one of us. Because if you believe those words are true, it changes everything about your life. The story is so powerful, but the perspective of the story matters. And I can't help but imagine what would have been like to have been with those ladies on that first morning. To have been around the disciples as they hear this news that the tomb is empty. I mean, think about the last week that they have just experienced with Jesus. From the triumphal entry and everyone as they come into the city yelling and shouting Hosanna. To walking into the temple and turning over the tables. To the Last Supper. And this time of Passover where they're curious about just what Jesus means to the betrayal of a friend and the denial by one of his closest friends. It's been a crazy week. And he goes on trial and he's sentenced to death on a cross and there you see and, and Matthew talks about the people that are watching from a distance. But I can't help but think that the other disciples aren't somewhere in the vicinity, watching as this unfolds, hiding behind a tree or a rock outcropping, wanting to see, is this really happening? Because our world has just been flipped upside down. Everything that we had hoped for seemed lost. 
and waking up Saturday wondering, was this just a bad dream? What do we do now that everything is over? Are we next? I, I can't imagine the emotional turmoil that these ladies and these disciples have gone through up until this point. And as I was reading this account of Matthew's resurrection, there was a verse that just jumped out at me. It's in Matthew chapter 28, verse 8. It says, So the women hurried away from the tomb. Now listen to this. Afraid, yet filled with joy. Afraid, yet filled with joy. Afraid, yet filled with joy. And ran to tell his disciples. And it was this um, phrase, afraid yet filled with joy, that just grabbed hold of my mind. And I started to wonder, why was it that fear was in the picture? Why was it not just pure joy that Jesus had risen? But what I figured out was resurrection is the place where fear and joy meet. It's where they collide. It's where they come together. Because there is this moment of incredible joy that Jesus is alive, but then there is the fear that comes with it. What, what does this mean? How is this even possible? I mean, think about it from your perspective. If one of your friends or one of your, your spouse just came back to life and suddenly you saw them in your home or on the street, there would be this incredible sense of joy, but there would also be this sense of fear. Well, is this possible? Can this even happen? And I, and I started to wonder, why, why is the fear there? Why, why is fear so important in this moment? And I think the reason is because in this moment, your control is gone. For these ladies, for these disciples, their control is gone. But what's even more powerful, in this moment, Jesus' control is gone. Because Jesus does the most sacrificial, self-sacrificing act of love in surrendering his control, and giving up his ability to control what happens. Because resurrection is a moment of surrender. It's a moment of letting go. And I think Paul understands this so well, and he tries to continue to tell people and make sure they grasp it. In Romans 8, he says it like this. He says, and if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. If the Spirit of Him who is living, who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. In other words, it's not Jesus who dies and then raises Himself. I believe that in that moment of death, what Jesus did was surrender His life fully and completely into the hands of the Father. And I believe that Jesus went to a place where he could not bring himself back. 
And so Paul continually says it's not Jesus that raises himself from the dead. It's God who raised Jesus from the dead. What Jesus does in that moment is he surrenders himself, all of himself, to death. And he simply trusts that God has the power to bring him back from the dead. If, if he is sinless and paying the price for sin, then he would be vindicated as he stood before God. That he believes and he trusts in God's plan. As we looked at last week, he comes to this point where he says, God, if there's any other way, let's do that. If there's any other way that you can take this cup from me, can we please do that? But yet not my will, but yours. And the cross is the place where God in Jesus surrenders himself to death. Trusting that God has the power to resurrect him. He embraces surrender and not control. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with surrender. I struggle to say, you know what, I'm not going to try to control things. I'm going to simply let go and I'm going to allow God to transform me. I'm going to allow God to raise me because I like to be in control. I like to be in charge. I like to know what comes next. And resurrection is a place that that is not possible. It is a place where you don't get to control the outcome. You simply have to lay yourself at the feet of God and the feet of Christ and say, God, I need you and your resurrection power to heal me and to save me. And I have lost all control in that moment. You see, the fear comes because there's this new world. And it's the realization that in this new world, I don't get control. That I'm surrendering it all. In this new world, I don't get to say, here's what's going to happen. It's simply saying, God, it's in your hands. You get to take control. And I'm going to follow you no matter where it leads. And that's why the presence of God and the question that, that Moses asked, that we asked with Moses' story, if you get nothing else out of life than the presence of God, will that be enough? It's why that question is so essential to us as we follow Jesus. Because for us to surrender is to say, God, Whatever life brings, whatever comes at me, no matter how difficult things get, God, I have your presence, and that is more than enough. That is all I need. You see, it's this whole new world, and it's this world of surrender. And I wonder for you, what are you trying to control right now? that God is calling you to surrender. Because my guess is there's a lot of people that say they've surrendered their life to Jesus and trusted that he would save them 
and maybe even baptized into him and said, now he is my life and I surrender everything to him except for my kids, except for my marriage, except for my finances, except for my addiction, except for my job, except for the grudge that I'm holding on to. My guess is there are some things in your life that you need to surrender, that you need to lay down for resurrection to happen. There are some things in your life that you want to control that you can't. And maybe right now in our world is a better chance than ever to surrender because we truly do see just how little control we do have. How little we get to call the shots. How, how little our strength carries us through. Let me tell you where this is really hitting home for me right now in this phase of life. I try to think of my job as three verbs. I, I get to preach so not nouns, but verbs. I get to preach to people, proclaim God's word, and I love to do that. That's one of my favorite things to do in the whole world. I get to lead. I get to lead our, our staff and our church and cast vision, and I love to do that. But there's a third verb that I, I consider a really important part of my job, maybe the most important, and it's a pastoral role, where I get to come alongside you and pray with you and walk through difficult times and be there when you lose someone and give you a hug and, and say, I love you and I care for you. And I love to put my arm around people and pray over them. Not to say just someday I'm going I'm to be praying for you, but to do it right then and right there. It's one of my favorite things to do in my, my job. And I'll tell you right now, it's really difficult to do. The preaching I can still do through video and the leading I can still do through video and messaging, not, not quite as effectively, I don't think, but, but we can do it. But that role that's so pastoral feels like it's at a complete loss of control right now. And I feel this huge burden because what I want is to surround people. What I've always wanted is to surround people and help them know and see Jesus better. That is my, my hope every single day. And right now it's harder to do. And I'm having to realize in this moment that I don't have the control that I always thought I did. That I'm having to let go. I'm having to surrender some things to trust that God's word is powerful and that his kingdom will stand and that nothing will prevail over it no matter what you do, Gary. And that's hard for me. That's so hard, but it's so important that I grasp that. It's so important that you grasp, yes, your kids are your responsibility, but there's only a certain amount of control you have. Your marriage and pouring into it is important, and you have responsibility, but there's only so much control you have. 
It's not until we actually surrender our life to God, not just our Sunday mornings, but our every single day, 24-7, that He begins to transform us. And I promise you, when you go into that place, it will scare you to death. But it will also fill you with joy. Matthew, in chapter 28, says, suddenly, Jesus met them. And and so there's this, this moment when they've realized that the tomb is empty, and they've seen this angel, and there's been an earthquake, and they then meet Jesus on the roadway. As they're running off from the tomb to tell his disciples, they actually encounter Jesus. He said to them, Greetings. They came to him. They clasped his feet and worshiped him. And I think Matthew wants you to understand like, this isn't a metaphorical resurrection, this is an actual bodily resurrection. The tomb is empty, and Jesus has been raised from the dead. And so they grab hold of his feet, they grasp his feet, and they begin to worship him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go into Galilee. There they will see me. And I wonder if they realize and recognize the magnitude of this moment. I wonder if they realized what's happening. That it's not just a story about someone being raised from the dead. That this is truly a story about a new world beginning right before their very eyes. A world where sin and death no longer have dominion. Because they have been defeated by Christ rising from the dead. That they've been defeated because Jesus and the tomb is empty. And he is risen. And they worship. And and there's this moment that we said where fear and joy collide. Where they come together and these disciples, I'm sure, full of fear. And what does this mean? But also, oh my goodness, Jesus is alive and hope is restored. You, You have some of the disciples that have gone back to their fishing boats because we don't know what to do. All we know is we don't have control, so we're going to go find the one thing that we feel like we can control. We're going to fish. Because control is so much easier than surrender. It's so much easier than letting go. And Jesus tells them as they greet Jesus on the road, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's, It's me I'm here. Sin and death have been defeated. The world now functions differently. And now every moment of every day becomes a moment of surrender. It becomes a moment that we have to check our motives. And we have to ask ourselves, is this about my kingdom coming to earth? Or is it about God's kingdom coming to earth through my life? Because if it's truly about God's kingdom coming to earth through my my life, it changes everything about the way that I function and everything about the way that I live, the way that I interact with people. 
It makes me a person of surrender, a person who's giving up control. For you, maybe you're sitting there with this this urge that I know I need to surrender, but I really don't know that I can. There, There are some things that I have control of that I really can't let go of. And you're just in the place the disciples and Mary were the, the night before. On Saturday evening, they're waiting for the dawning of a new day and for something else to happen. They're waiting for the sun to shine. They're waiting for the sun to come up and bring light onto a new day. And the beauty of Easter is that Jesus does. He rises from the dead. The sun is risen and now bringing light into the world. Maybe you're in a place where you're waiting. You're waiting for that new day to dawn. And there's this addiction that has its hold on you, and you can't do anything. You've tried to surrender, and you've tried to let go, but it has control of you. Or the marriage that seems to be falling apart, that you want to control, and you want to have your your hands on, that needs to be surrendered. To simply say, God, not my will, but yours be done in my marriage. God, not my will, but yours be done with my children or in my job. Because right now I realize just how little control I have. Resurrection is the place where fear and joy collide. Where they come together. But instead of just telling you some stories about what resurrection looks like, I thought it would be better if we could show you. If we could show you the stories of resurrection that we get to see every single day. Watch this. Oh, this pain, I wonder if I'll ever find my way. I wonder if my life could really change. Beautiful things. 
So those stories, those stories are the reason I believe there's hope. Those are the stories that I know God is in the business of resurrection and that he is bringing new life into this world where it looks like sin and death still have a voice, where they still get control. But in this moment, we realize that Jesus has control. Because he reigns and he's seated next to God the Father. And as Paul says that one day every knee will bow to him. Everyone will surrender their life to him. My question for you this morning on this beautiful Easter morning, now that the clouds have rolled away and we have sun, is have you surrendered? Have you given your life, not not just part of your life, not just the Sunday morning section of your week, but have you surrendered your life to Jesus? And I would love for you online, whatever um, platform you're joining us on, just to comment and say, I surrender. I surrender. I'm ready. And maybe you've never done that. Maybe this is the first time you're saying that. We would love to talk to you about what it truly looks like to surrender. And what it looks like for us to be buried with Christ and raised into a new life like he was. By surrendering our life to God and saying, God, I I trust you. And I realize that I don't have control. I need you and I need your healing and I need your help in my life right now. Because that is a beautiful confession. And right now it's, it's difficult because you're not here. You can't just run up here. But I want you to know that if you'll comment, say, I'm ready to commit my life and be baptized, in one of the comments, we will get with you and we will set it up as quick as possible. You can call one of our shepherds. You can call one of our staff. We would love to talk with you more about what it looks like to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe this time can be a blessing because it reminds us of just how little control we do have. But what I do know, what I do know is Jesus is risen. And because he is risen, and because the tomb is empty, everything has changed. And the invitation for you is simply to come to Christ and surrender your life to him. To be baptized in his name, just as Christ was buried, you be buried. And that God would raise you from the dead. And it takes a huge step. I promise you it's where fear and joy will collide. 
but the joy that will fill your heart and soul will be overwhelming. So the question, what is it that God is calling you to surrender that you're still trying to control? Make this Easter the day you finally surrender and give everything in your life to God.